0: Hello and welcome to Lady Time. I'm your host, Jill McGregor, and I'm joined today by Shanaz Sony. Shanaz is an accomplished aerospace engineer, an author, a health and transformational coach, an energy healer, and a very proud mother of four lovely boys. Hello, Shanaz. It's so
1: good to have you on the show. Hi, Jill. I'm so um, honored to be here. And uh, I'm grateful that you found me through Lazarus Initiative, and you reach out to me, and we exchange a few emails, and here we are.
0: I can't believe it! Is after listening to you for how many months on the on the initiative, uh, you know, to hear you speaking almost every month, it's really great to be speaking directly to you now. So I'm very honored that you came on the show as well.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity.
0: So Shanaaz, I thought I would start by asking you to tell our listeners a bit about your own personal story, because it's a very, very interesting one. Uh, You overcame a great deal of obstacles and really faced a lot of challenges in your life. And they really made you more of who you are. You already were who you were, but it's really made more of who you are. And so maybe you could tell our audience a bit about how you came from where you were born in Karachi in Pakistan to the States where you're living now in America.
1: Yeah, so I definitely say that there are times I feel like that I had to go through like different uh, versatile experience in my life to get to where I am today mainly because that was the only way I was supposed to help other people through healing them, through my experience and through my, the wisdom I acquired in the process. But I mean, like when I look at one part of my life where I was raised, and I mean, I was born and raised in a very conservative Muslim, kind of orthodox Muslim uh, a subset of Shia, uh, it's a Borah community, and it's very strict, like everything is very strict, you know, how you wear, what you eat, how you interact, whom you interact, everything is kind of dictated by the by the you know I kind of call it cult, but basically by that com- community, and it's actually a subset of Muslims. So all the Muslims follow a certain paradigm, but we had to follow a little bit of a different one, and that put me in a very uh, in a in even more limited capacity for my growth, and and combine that with my dad who was not agreeing with education it put me in a very, um, like in a feeling like where I felt like I was suffocated. I wanted to run away, but I couldn't run away because I knew as a girl, running away from that type of culture is going to put you in more danger. Uh, Not only that, uh, I didn't want my family to look, have to worry about looking for me and feel sad for me. So there was that reason I said that I have to suck it up, buttercup, right? We say that. And I think that it's kind of like that awareness of knowing that you are in a cage and you are enslaved and then also knowing that even though you wanna change that by doing something drastic, like you know running away, you have to make it work with what you're given. And I think that is the key message that I even share in my book, is that because none of us are going to be 100% free because we are in this human body. So we are going to be always in some sort of captivity. It depends on how far you wanna go and how much, free, how much you wanna compromise is pretty much a personal choice, right? Because we all are in a certain reality based on whatever parameter we're willing to work with and whatever we're not willing to. So, so yeah, so my uh, migration to America was pretty much following my community upbringing where you're raised to be married through arranged marriage system. And I knew that I'm going to have our arranged marriage. So I was very um, accepting of that because that was part of my constraint of living in that community life. And uh, so I got married, um, one hour conversation, and he said yes. And uh, within a week, we were married. And within two weeks, I was in America, uh, Los Angeles at the LAX airport. And uh, it was a very, it was one of the biggest thing that I've done in my life, because having to leave every single thing that I knew to that point, and then walking with a person whom I don't know, not only that, living in a country and continent that i don't know and no you know culture language friends family every single thing right so i think that to me was the biggest school of life for me having to go through that experience has given me the courage to pretty much because all the other experience kind of are not as big as compared to that one right that one just Supersedes all my growth from there on. Having to and the first year was very hard for me. It was extremely hard having to live in a tiny studio apartment with a strange man. Um, you know, I mean, no bed, nothing. We were basically there was wasn't ready for me that place was. So I had to transform the place so that it can be my place, right? So I had to I had to clean it. I had to cook it. I had to live in it. I have to accept it. So it was a good training ground for me. I have to say. And long behold, I didn't even know that going through that major experience in life, having to come from the conservative culture I did and just having to be said no to so many things. And then even escaping to America, again, I'm kind of in a different type of reality, which is also limiting because I had to follow my, um, you know, husband's uh, way of living because, you know, like the religion and the culture and what I do every day was driven by the marriage and, and and, and the community and the culture, and it wasn't as free as I like. And then having to uh, birth a first sh- uh, child who actually was born with a C- cerebral palsy has put me in a huge, um, you know, like an, in, a, in a way I can never be 100% free like I wanna be, but I have come a long way from all my constraint. I, I just can't even begin to imagine that myself. You, you must have
0: been so young. What age were you? Uh, 21. 21, my goodness and you had another child as well. After that, you lived in a small studio and you had no contact, hardly any contact with
1: home either. No, because it was too expensive to make a phone call. It was $1 a minute at the time. We didn't have WhatsApp or any of these uh, applications that we use on a smartphone nowadays. And I could only write letters and wait for the letters to come. And I didn't know how to cook because I was a very studious valedictorian. So for me, Uh, cooking became my high priority because the food that was there was, uh, you know, I had to transform the food to something that I was familiar with. So therefore, I started writing letters to my mom saying, please send me the recipe. And she started sending me the recipe. So I was basically, uh, you know, learning to cook and learning to live as a married wife and learning to speak English by going to the community college. And then I started working in a dry cleaning shop right away because my husband did not have a uh, like en- enough money to, he basically uh, kind of was in a negative money-wise. So to me, I was feeling very much like we need to get out of the debt before we can do anything, right? So yeah, it was, a, I have to say that, yeah, it was definitely a lot was thrown at me. And it was very hard. And for the most part, all day long, I would be alone in the apartment because I, my husband was working and he was working a lot. He would work all day long and he would come really late at night. So all that time, I'm just trying to see what I can do by myself. I don't know a single soul. I don't even know the language. So definitely I feel like, you know, when you watch movies like Castaway and you see like, you know, you're in a situation and you have to make the most of it and you learn to live with whatever you're given. And that to me was my Castaway experience. And how, so
0: you you had to go, you didn't have any English either. So you went, you said you went to the community college to learn English. How then did you move from there to becoming an aerospace engineer? Because you had studied already in Pakistan. But how did you manage that with no English? Because that's not an easy subject to learn anyway, never mind having no English.
1: Right. One of the things about English was that English as a language, of course, I didn't speak. However, back home, uh, I went to Urdu speaking school. But when it comes to science, because they don't make any books in science in Urdu language, I had to read science book in English. So my English was limited to my scientific knowledge. So like, you know, even during my one hour interview with my first husband, he asked me like, do you know, speak English? And my, I, my response was that I can tell you Newton's first, second and third law of motion in English because my English was limited to kind of physics and, you know, like biology and chemistry because those subjects were taught in English. And so it was kind of an interesting thing. So when I came, like, I didn't know how to speak English, but I was familiar with English as a language from a letter standpoint and from, so it made it easier, definitely. Uh, the only problem was that speaking language is always very different when you're doing it for your schoolwork. It's just such a different mindset, right? So it was definitely very hard in the beginning. The good thing was I was in Los Angeles And I'm grateful that I was in a very open-minded state because everybody was so nice and welcoming to my broken English. And that really encouraged me for the first five years, I have to say that I was pretty much struggling in my language capacity. And then you know, it was getting better and better and better because all the people I interact with at work or at school, they were all, the only language they would speak is English. So it encouraged me to learn the language and then I also encouraged my first husband to speak in English with me even though we could speak in three other languages however I would kind of tell him that when we're alone uh, please speak English with me so I can make it better you know. That's amazing and quite a struggle because the language even when we
0: learn English I that's my first language, and even when we speak or learn it in school, it's different. You're right; it's different to learn English and write it than it is to actually speak it. Well, well done, you. I mean that that's incredible. So then, how did you become an aerospace
1: engineer where you're currently working in NASA? So basically, On... so, so the way it started was that I was already in an engineering school when I had a proposal come for a marriage. So I wanted to make sure that I finished my engineering. And that was one of my conditions for marriage is because I wanted to make sure my school does not get impacted because of the marriage. And he was very happy about that because he wanted me to get my degree in America. So when I came to America, both of us agreed that the goal is for me to get an admission ultimately. And in order to get admission, I had to get enough English and enough prerequisite in community college so we can afford it uh, so that way because universities are more expensive than that. So I was doing a computer consultant uh, work when I was in the university. And even though I never knew what computer was, but I was daring enough to actually be a consultant. And I learned very fast in the first month that all the problems get solved just by resetting the machine. So I would just say that at the first And then it was like fun for me because you know there are. It's like you learn like with all the people when they come to you for problems, and there are only four or five ways to solve it. And it was funny because you know there is a command that you put in order to get help in the computer language, and it's basically called "man" M A N. And I always kind of right away I noticed that, and I said, "Why is why are we not saying woman? Uh, and why are we already being so patriarchal in America?" Like I would ask these questions, and everybody would laugh at me because they're like, "Yeah, you're right. You have a point, right?" But it was funny, right? That I started noticing those things, but the point, yeah. So UC Irvine is where I graduated from. I love the school, I love the people and I worked the entire time while I was taking full load. And um, when I graduated, because it's a very good school, I had choices and I actually was getting invited for interviews, but I was also very driven about where I'm gonna go. So I had already decided that I'm not just gonna take the first job that comes in, I'll take the job that I want, and I really wanted to work for the Hughes uh, Satellite com because they were working on a phone that was an uh, Inmarsat phone, which would talk to the Inmarsat satellite. And the phone was very unique because the company was Martin Marietta in London, and they were looking for a phone that can be used in, in the caves, like it, it can be used anywhere. And I think that to me was very intriguing because the product is unique. So from So basically I was very aware that's where I want to go. And even at that stage in my life, even though I had so many challenges, I didn't want to just take any job. So I would actually, if I get a job offer from a place that I didn't want to, I would direct them to my other um, uh, colleagues who were looking for jobs so that if they wanted the job, they can take it. Because I knew that I'm going to go for Hughes. And I did. Uh, I, I got a job. And And not only that, I had to be a citizen to get that job. And I made sure that while I came to America, I was completely lining myself up to be ready so that when I go in a job world, they can give me a job because your limitation, there's limitation if you're just a green card holder and it takes five years for you to apply for citizenship. So yeah, between me coming there and by the time I was ready for the job, I kind of had enough time to kind of do all that. So so you see that there was all this planning was playing. And I always worked for, you know, like satellite or rocket or missile that has become my, so sometimes I have NASA as a customer. I'm working for NASA right now uh, in in the last five years, but prior to that I worked for Boeing aerospace company and Hughes, which was bought by Boeing. So it was definitely a journey that got me where I am today. But the key things that I did was I got my degree I was very driven on my first job because your first job is your driver for all your other jobs to come, so I think all those conscious um, decision making has gotten me where I am today. That's amazing. I like what you said about uh, choosing your first
0: job. I wish I had done that or knowing that I, I never had what you're describing of yourself there, but it, it is really essential to sort of plan and have some sort of a vision, isn't it of where you want to go with your career or your work or whatever it is you want to do. And it's very interesting to hear how you did it. It sounds as well though, that there was a little bit of something else in the background and play with you. It's as though you were directed. I know you made all the decisions. Do you feel in any way that there was another element to you, a higher element to
1: you that was directing you along the way? Yes, 100%. And I think that element was directing me at all times. Like I remember, I can't tell you exact age, but when I was even in Karachi, Pakistan, I think it may have been that I was around seven or eight or something that age where, you know, you you feel like you are very aware of your consciousness. Like you know that you are in this, you know, like a genie in the bottle, right? Like you know that you are in this body, but you want to be more than that. That to me, that awareness was there. So I basically tapped into my consciousness and I started saying that I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. So I was very aware of like what are what is my situation. And I was not happy for the most part because I felt almost like really in a trapped condition, having to be in a in a country and in a city and in a community and then in a family that kind of decides every waking hours what you're going to do and how you're gonna live your life, not just while you're with them, but even afterwards. I mean, it's a very, like I was very aware of that and part of me was not happy about it, but also I didn't think that I have a way to escape it. So I think that that to me, that awareness is where the higher power was always with me, right? The God part of us, right? We all have a part of God within us was, was driving me to realize my pros and my cons and my choices and my constraints and uh,
0: it's always there isn't it you know and when you but you were very conscious of it you you were just saying there's seven or eight years of age you were also very conscious of it when I look back to that age I know I was conscious of being somehow separate from my body I remember having experiences where I would be lying in bed at night as just as a child and I'd be uh, turning back and back and back, it was though was turning over and over and over, but going backwards in a dark sort of void of space, so that was how I became aware that I was separate from the body but i I wasn't so conscious as you are the way you described that you were really conscious of being conscious, if you know what I mean, but it's quite interesting I can see I can almost see how it's led you along the way, just as you describe. What, what you have been through in your life up until that point. I How lucky am I to get to speak to someone who is an aerospace engineer, but who's also into healing, which is one of the reasons that you've come on to the podcast. And I love reading about science and science in the background of, of how healing works, but I never get to speak to someone directly. I could speak to you Easily for about three hours (laughs) today, but I think I would like to focus in on your quantum healing work and how that works. You've written about it in your book called The Quantum Being. And I'd really love you to delve a little bit into how quantum healing works, and a little bit on quantum physics, while I have you because I never get this opportunity. (laughs) I've never had this opportunity actually
1: it's the first time. So this is my uh, quantum being book I know there's a reflection kind of messing it up. Uh, But, um, yes, so that's why I wrote the book because I wanted to combine my experiences my spiritual understanding and my scientific understanding to all converge in the form of the book, The Quantum Being. So quantum healing, because we are the quantum being. And the reason I say that is because we have all the power within us and around us to make the most of the life at the quantum level. So the quantum, when we say quantum, just as a word, right, it's amount of energy. It's a very small amount of energy that can make the that can move the mountain it's like you know incremental so like as you know i'm a software engineer by trade as well so i'm gonna i use incremental a lot and incremental means that everything builds on top of another and that continuous building is what makes you be where i am right like i can i couldn't speak english in a day right it i had to take it took me five years to really be you know comfortable with the language so but but the thing is that in, in that five years, all the steps I took to get there is what got me to be able to speak English, right? To be able to even write a book in English, ultimately. So it was an incremental build. So the whole thing about quantum being is that we are continuously making a difference in our life at every nanoseconds. And that has been proven by, you know, the scientists and doctors, uh, Dr. Stewart and Dr. Uh, Hammeroff. That how our consciousness uh, you know, comes into play with, our, with the way our entire microtubule within our brain uh, contributes to us affecting our reality every nanosecond, mainly because everything is a waveform. So the electron being a particle is what classical physics focuses on. Electro, electron being a particle and wave is what quantum physics focus on and quantum physics basically says that because electron can be a wave or can be a particle that's why the schrodinger's cat which is all about cat being in the box and you don't know if cat is going to be alive or dead upon the opening of the box because there is a like a, there's a there's a vial of poison there on the opening of the box that may open that may not that may kill the cat that may not But the whole thing about electron is the same, that you don't know if electron will collapse into a physical or will it still stay in the waveform, right? So when you truly understand what we are and what the world around us is and how everything comes into your physical experiencing, which is when you do it consciously, it becomes a manifestation, you see? So manifestation is just a fancy word for experiencing something deliberately. Like for me to want to speak English was me wanting to manifest that. And it happened partly because, but it has to be, uh, there's an action part. There's other parameters that are equally important in order to make it happen, right? And that's why I actually teach the class on quantum manifestation and quantum human to help people understand all of these concepts so that they can vibrate as a quantum being, they can show up as a quantum being in their lives every day, because that's the best way for all of us to be. And I think if everybody does that part, we wouldn't be living in such a chaos and such a violence and such a constrained world where everybody's stepping on each other and people are doing things without realizing that there's a cause and effect at play in every step of the way so you know when we say what goes around comes around truly is explained by quantum physics because it truly works that way you know what you reap what you saw all of these phrases converge with uh, with science so is it then the
0: wave the, the the wave is the extra thing in the quantum physics explanation is it that it can carry the Excuse my very bad way of trying to put this into words, but carry the thing, the actual manifest thing or the the physical thing to somewhere else or to everywhere. Say, for example, in your body, if it was just the one atom in your body, it can take it to everywhere in your body and everywhere. Is that? Yes.
1: So in a simple way, journey is intertwined with the destination. So, so how, you know, that's why how you get there is what keeps you there, right? So like, if you're somebody who really works hard and makes money, then you will maintain that because you've created a certain methodology, right? If you're somebody who wins a lottery and you use up all your money in one year, let's say, then because, you know, you got the money really fast and you also let go of the money really fast. So the whole thing about quantum is that it covers the space in between. So like, you know, Like in your case, you know, you are living a life and you understand you have certain things happening in your life. But if you truly start understanding that how you brought yourself there, right, if you truly understand that, which is what I uh, teach in my classes, right, which is what quantum physics helps us understand, then it ultimately affects your quantum manifesting, because when you see that, if you start seeing that, oh, I took step number one, two, three, four, to get to five, When you want to create five again, what are you going to do? You're going to take step one, two, three, four. So that's the the way I see it, is that quantum physics basically is the ABC of the life. It shows you through experiences and through your own consciousness that how everything comes into physical conscious experiencing. That's such an amazing explanation
0: for me because you always ha- you always have to take the steps cuz we're in 3D reality as well i i suppose you have to always keep working in a way keep going keep going
1: and keep working and keep- exactly like even in yeah. your case right like you basically reach out to me via email right so you did something in you know you basically it's like you're throwing a you know you you're kind of like throwing a dart and you're hoping that it will reach where it needs to. But you have to throw the dart to at least initiate the process, right? And yeah, it may not go exactly you want, because that's all part of life. But at least you did your part to get to this next part. If you want to have sent me an email, you and I would not be talking right now.
0: And that's right. And I remember the moment I just decided, do you know what? I'm just going to look up Shanaz's website and and see if I can count so what have I got to lose that's exactly what I said I have nothing to lose I didn't even expect to hear back I didn't (laughs) expect to hear back within the next day you know so I thought oh my god it's meant to be I would then see that there's a process has started so but I never saw it in terms of being uh, quantum physics at work and it's such a perfect explanation something that I've thought was so complex and so outside of my understanding is it's right there with you all the time every moment isn't it it's just never looked at it like that before exactly
1: it's basically you are con- you are not when you focus on anything then you are collapsing the electron to show up as particle because they are always existing in the form of wave which is what the unmanifested is which is what the spiritual world is right so the thing is we're all everything is there is just when it's dense enough for you to see in the physical form then you only see the physical as tip of the iceberg because all the other things are hidden from you but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist so yeah and that is very deep knowledge and of course you know like like so Kabbalah, kabbalah is another class that i teach and it's one of the most I would say uh, in depth one. It's a 12 week course, but that is the whole thing. That Kabbalah basically is quantum physics in action, and it's interesting that we were given this knowledge from so many different venues, uh, you know, for humanity. Like you know, even when you really look at the history of Kabbalistic learning, it was uh, it needed to be flowed down through, you know, Ibrahim, which is one of the prophets that. Uh, both Muslim and Christian uh, and Jews, everybody believes in him, and he was one of the one who wanted to bring the knowledge of Kabbalah down. However, at the time, people were not ready to embrace that knowledge, so it didn't it didn't go to humans like it was supposed to. And later on, you know, one of the Rabbi, uh, uh, you know, was able to bring the knowledge down, and that's why people think that Kabbalah is a Jewish way, uh, but it's just that they adopted it first but that doesn't mean it's a Jewish learning it's a learning that anyone can adopt if they want to and that's why like mystery schools nowadays they do teach Kabbalah and I have taught Kabbalah I mean I learned about it and taught it in 2013. And from there on, I used that in my practice. And it was interesting for me to see the conversions of science and spirituality, where Kabbalah is spiritual and quantum physics is science, but they're both ultimately helping you understand that how light manifests from unmanifest to manifest.
0: There is a lovely marrying of science and spirituality in the last 30 35 years well it, at least of the things that i have studied i've i've been interested in healings for quite a long time as well and it was always seen as oh it's over here and it's a bit airy fairy but it's just such, such a beauty to see the it being explained more and more, especially when quantum physics was sort of brought into the realm or at least brought into the realm of um, the everyday person, you know, in the last 30 years, just in regular articles in science magazines or whatever. Um, that's such a beautiful description, uh, Shanaz. In a way, I can't wait to listen back to this because, you know, <laughs> while you're having a conversation, you often, you hear it, but you don't hear it until you really listen back to it. So I'm looking forward already to listening back to it. Um, so w- when you do your healing work, say on a one-to-one, what is a one-to-one healing with you like? What does it look like?
1: So one-to-one healing is basically that, you know, we are, we are focusing, our main focus is to help you, um, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, all, all layers of your existence, right? So so we are working at a multidimensional level. And generally, if you live close enough, then I would say you choose the venue. So like, uh, you know, we can go on a hike and do it, or we can go for a coffee and do it like, because when you choose the venue, it becomes more magical for you because see, you're going to be upgrading yourself while you're with me. And from there on, you're completely going, putting yourself on a whole different trajectory. Like I have noticed that the people when they come in my life and we have a session and right after the session, they basically start making changes in their life. And sometimes they say that, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Uh, Like, like while they're going through it, sometimes they don't feel good because one of the girl had a healing with me and she uh, realized that she was not in a very good, healthy relationship. So she ended up breaking up with him and she kind of I felt like a little bit that she was a little upset about it. And I was kind of, I knew that what she's doing is good for her, but she's not going to see that right away. And it took her two years to see that because she uh, was able to break up with him. And then he really loved her. So he actually came the right way after one year of breaking up. And now they are like lovers and they actually have way better healthy relationship. So it worked out in a long run for her, but at the time she wasn't seeing it. But that is the thing, right? Because when you are willing to work with me you are basically saying to yourself that i am ready to take my evolution to the next level so when you are when we have the session in whatever form we have the one hour session we basically make sure that we cover all aspects of your healing so that way you are not just fixing one aspect you are fixing all of them so that so that way you can truly change the pattern and then I usually end the session with you making a, taking an action that you are going to truly take it in the physical form. Because if you don't take any action after my session, and I know you will, subconsciously you will take many actions, but I want you to take a conscious action because that will put you on a different trajectory than you were on, uh, or at least in the trajectory that's more aligned with you. And it depends on where you are, right? Because everybody's everybody's uh, state is different. However, I can assure you that your life will not be the same.
0: That's exactly what you were just saying about how you you that what you have to take that first action, and then all the other things come. Do it in increments as well. Exactly, so it's exactly the same thing. As we were speaking before we started to record, I was telling you I could feel a change coming about in me. Over about an hour before we got on Zoom, I could really feel it I, I I can feel it when my vibration starts to go up, and I said, "Oh my God, to myself, I said, "This is shinaz I'm in shinaz's energy field already, and we're just having a conversation. You know, I can't even imagine what it begins to be like when you decide." To have a session and it already begins to work because I've worked with other healers as well in the past gone to them and uh, sometimes you, you just feel that flutter in all of my cells and that that's exactly what started to happen I said oh <laughs> I'm on to Shanaz <laughs> I know what she said that's incredible so you do uh one-to-ones but you also do group work as well and you also work with people online as well as one-to-one obviously in the physical when you can get together is great because you live in the states there's uh, another aspect of because you've spoken now about manifestation already and another and that is and we're speaking about how it is in 3d reality another thing that comes into play here and is it's, it's probably i don't know if i would call it a weakness for myself but in any case it's about our belief systems because i remember having an insight quite a few years ago and I realized that this is when I was fully working in, the, in more in the healing world than the film world that I'm in at the moment. But I remember having an insight that somehow, or just a visual, let's say, I don't know if it was an insight of seeing that beliefs become crystallized in your mind somehow. And that the more crystallized they are, the more, rigid your belief system is I don't know it was just my way of seeing it. it was just a vision that came to me but I find with beliefs they can be very they can either push you forward or they can really hinder you and I just wonder could you speak a little bit about belief systems and beliefs and how almost how can you undo beliefs that are not doing you any good through the work that you do
1: yeah, so beliefs definitely are the main, uh, you know, they we call them, use the word rule set in some of our um, software application. So you can say rule set or you can say operating principles. So they're kind of the uh, driver for your, uh, you know, so if you want to manifest something, let's say that, you know, you have your comfort zone gets determined by your beliefs, right? So like in my case, I, for the longest time, I believe that I cannot Uh, you know, live alone, for example. That was my very strong belief, partly because in Pakistan, generally, women will never live alone. You know, that's just the way it is. There's always has to be a man in the equation for them to, you know, it's just the, the way it is over there. So, of course, my beliefs were driven by my upbringing, right? So, I also believed in that. And I never imagined having to live alone. And I did that, right? So, But the thing is that in the process of rewriting your belief, you truly are making so many big changes in your life, right? Like, so for me, I didn't follow the narrative that I was given from the beginning. And when you don't follow the narrative, then you have to scramble your beliefs and you have to be willing to do that. And that's the part that makes people uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable is where the growth is and also where you get to see that what can you create? Because that's, there's no other way. So it's kind of interesting, like for me, that's one of the thing I do, even in my classes, I always have that every single time I would ask everybody what they did to make them uncomfortable. And like, even right now, for me, for example, I have like 10 days, uh, you know, without any uh, family around. So I'm kind of excited about taking myself on a ride. So I've already said that every single day, I'm going to have to do something that makes me uncomfortable. Because and that means, you know, doing something else, even like I work out, I do heart yoga all the time, but maybe I'm gonna have to do some other workouts, you know, just to kind of get myself out there, stretch myself. So that is fun. And ultimately what it does, it helps you rewrite your beliefs where they're not serving you. Because there are beliefs that serves you, but there are beliefs that hinders you. And when you understand the, dis- the distinction between the two, it really puts your life in a different spin. And, and you were asking me what I do in my quantum healing session. One of the things that you're going to come back with is you're going to be able to see the beliefs that are hindering you very clearly and you're going to know in your heart what you have to do
0: yeah i figured it would be something like that because it really it is quite scary when you know that you have to make a change i can even speaking for myself there are changes that i have been pushing aside for a while i can often see exactly what's going on but sometimes it's hard to make the jump as well and that's where having you know having some help along the way really does because help because I I could see myself in a bit of a going around and round in a circle at the moment. And I'm sure that happens to a lot of people, even some of our listeners as well. And it's really great to have it explained the way that you do that. I can see already that just having a session with you will already it's already stirring things in me. So I can imagine when you decide to do the session, because like we were to go back to what you were saying earlier, you decide to, to you make a conscious decision to do this thing and then everything else starts happening around it. So, yeah. And another uh, aspect to that is trust. Now, I was much more trusting when I was younger. But as I got older, I questioned things more, which is naturally what you do as as you become more of an adult and get it to become even an older adult. But I questioned and questioned and questioned to the point that I didn't really know anymore. Well, is there a God? Is there not a God? Is it is are we in some sort of computer system in the universe or not I remember in maybe my 20s I was quite young I did have the thought that maybe this is all a great big cosmic joke how do I know what is real what isn't real and what is reality and what isn't reality I've been questioning that for quite a long time sometimes coming up with sort of answers but never really trusting it and then the other hand, I listen to a lot of people, but that is always second, third, fourth, fifth hand information. It's not your own information. So could you speak a little bit about trust, which links in, of course, with the belief system, which also can link in with manifestation whenever you get them all aligned and all clear? I hope I'm making sense here. Yes. But, um, could you tell us a little bit about
1: that? Yes. So chapter 11 in my book, Conscious Evolution, does a very good job in going into this rabbit hole because this is one of my favorite subjects: is to understand who we are, what we are, where we are. And whether it's a simulation game that we are pawn of or whether it's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's something that what we believe is really true or not, all of those questions are on the table when we start thinking about us and everything else around us. And one of the way you can trust is that, see, the the best thing you have is your track records, right? The best thing you have is your experiences. The best thing is that you know where you are right now. You know the people that really loves you and shows up for you. You also know the people who says that they love you, but they don't show up for you. So you have all these data points. So as a quantum being you are, you need to look at what you have and where what you've created and where you are so the you know the term history of course but the point is it's very important right because you can't just throw that away even though you are creating a new trajectory for you even though you want to create a new life for you even though you want to throw some of your beliefs away that's not serving you regardless of that you want to make sure that you know where you are and what that looks like what are all the parameters that has contributed to your current reality once you use once you acknowledge that and understand that then when you move from there on, the way you build a trust, because you have to trust yourself because you are the one who's going to get impacted. And the thing is that no matter whether it's a simulation or real, at the end of the day, you know, if if you put the knife on your finger, it's going to hurt. The blood will come out and you're not going to feel good. And your body is not going to function like it should. So you know that there are certain things you have already experienced it, you already know what happens. So there's no qualm about it, right? You don't have to cut your finger to say, let me see if it hurts today. No, it will hurt. You already know that because you've done it in the past sometime accidentally. So I think that the way you build up the trust is based on what you know and what you don't know. What you don't know, you acknowledge that, you know, if you wanna do a skydiving, right? definitely you're not going to just go up in the plane and jump without taking any training because you know that if you do that, chances of you running into an accident is very high. You're not going to feel good afterwards. You may have too many broken bones for you to be able to ever skydive again. So when you know that, you're going to do the right way. So similarly, if you're about to do something where you have to take a leap of faith or do something that's uncomfortable or do something where you're not sure if you can trust yourself, then you give yourself a quantum which is a very minimum amount of jump or change. So like in your case, you know, that is the thing, right? You want to go all the way to the top of the mountain, but you don't have to necessarily do it in a day, right? You can do it. You can take rest. You can even go with people who are also going to the same place. You can even, you know, uh, figure out somebody whom you can call when you feel you get stuck. So you create a support system. It's the same way. In order to build that trust, you have to do a support system within you based on everything you know, and then around you. If there are people who truly love you and they want your best, then maybe you can say, you know, I'm about to do this and I'm so uncomfortable, but would you hold me accountable or would you help me facilitate if I end up chickening out in the middle of it or whatever that is, right? But that's how you create that paradigm for you. But when you are wanting it badly enough, then merging with that reality is is just a matter of uh, choice. Yeah, that's very
0: interesting. Shanaz, is there anything you want to ask me or say any more about if I haven't asked you something that
1: you might have wanted to be asked? Okay, well, first of all, um, Jill, uh, you should probably go ahead and tell everybody that what are you doing nowadays with your... Um, you know with you showing up the best in the universe right what are you doing for yourself and for others what am I doing right now and for others um, like I mean you have a podcast right I so, like uh... the
0: podcast yeah that was part of the reason that I started the podcast um, it somewhat changed a little bit but of course you can't have the same conversation over and over again it started off with talking about uh, women going through menopause because it's something that we don't talk about very much it's coming more into the fore so that's how it started off but like any good conversation it changes and it grows and we get myself and carol get some really lovely feedback from people so we know it may be a small audience but we know that there are people that just really love listening to the podcast And I like connecting with people anyway. And during all of the last two years, during everything that's gone on, I was sort of at home alone and usually very, very sociable person, had nothing to do. So I had to find an outlet and my God, I can only sort of bless Zoom really for that. So (laughs) that's so and I made friends from all around the world and still making them so I do show up for the podcast. Every second week I'm on, Carol's on every second week. And sometimes it's hard keeping it going, but I, I just love it. It's conversations and it's connection with people. And it's in huge amount of growth and learning, which I hope I can pass on to others, receive from others and pass it on. That's the way I show up. Um, I show up as a friend as well, as a good friend. And I have a lot of really good friends really good friends and they show up for me and i show up for them and for my family as best as i can so all the time trying to think about how i can do more going into the future and learn more around healing which are which makes me very interested to speak to healers like yourself
1: right well yeah thank you jill so that's that's good right because that's that is the best way we can own up to our um, all, all that we are, every single thing, right? So for me, what I would leave uh, everyone with is that, yes, quantum healing is one of the services I provide. I um, Shanasony.com website has everything in it, like all the services I provide, all the workshops I do. And then I have a health is wealth tab, which is where I put out everything that I use for my well-being every day um, with... You know, like I use uh, the products that actually my friends are making, for example, Maria Chrysler and, uh, you know, Christina Ram. So they're my friends who make the products. So I feel very much that I know them. I love them. And I'm using something that is better than just popping pills, you know. So and I kind of share all that with others so that if they want to use all of that, they can. But that is the whole idea for me is that I live very transparent life. And everything that I've learned, I have put it in the book, The Quantum Being. If anybody wants it, they can go to Amazon and type The Quantum Being. And um, it's uh, available in Kindle and hardcover and so forth. And the idea is that that book pretty much will give you insight into what I have used as a tool to navigate life and to be able to get to be where I am today. And I'm going to continually using these tools to get to whatever the next level for me is. And I'm wishing everybody else to also take somewhat ownership on where they are and where they want to go. Because when you take the ownership, you are going to, I can assure you, you're going to get where you want to be. And there are people all around you who are more than willing to help. And I am definitely very much excited about helping others in this path of conscious evolution. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Can you say your website again, Shanaz? I will be putting it on the show
1: notes anyway yes so my website pretty much is my first last name.com so it's s h e h n a z s o n i.com so it's pretty easy that way and um, as i said that i'm excited for this opportunity to talk to jill and um, and uh, you know we are basically healing each other in the process
0: We are. I can really feel it today. And, you know, there's something I heard you say on one of your other interviews, and I'm just going to read it out now because it's really beautiful. Magic is what science hasn't discovered. It's so beautiful. (laughs) And your book as well, you can get on, I saw it on Amazon, but you can also get it through uh, your website as well. It's called The Quantum Bee. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, as I do feel very honoured that you came on today to speak with me.
1: Thank you very much, Jill. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Lady Time. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do share it with your friends and on your social media. And until our next episode, bye for now.